I've listened to Young the Giant's self-titled debut album for five years. And I listened to it once yesterday. Welcome to Spin It. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Spin It, the record-ranking podcast for people who would rather be listening to music. I'm James, and with me is Connor. Hello! (laughs) How you doing? Happy Friday. It's a Friday when you're listening to this, if you're listening to it on the day it came out or any other Friday after that. Or Leap Day. That is a day. No, oh, what's the... I thought you were going to say, if you're listening to it on another day, it's a different day. And then I was going to say, or Leap Day, because that was the joke. That was the joke, but that's not what I said. I know. It didn't go the place I expected. Nothing ever does. And nothing ever does with me. I'm unknowable. It's You're an enigma. Spinigma. Spinigma. Anyway, this is episode 102. Almost to two years. We are right in the middle of our 100th episode to two-year anniversary celebration. I can't call it a birthday anymore. I've really dropped the ball on too many podcast birthdays. (laughs) This anniversary. We'll try in the year of healing to get the birthdays right. Mm Mm-hmm. And we're talking about Young the Giant. Do you know any Young the Giant? Where do you stand on modern alt-pop? Yeah, you know, I know uh, 12 Young the Giant songs. You, now? You do now. Did you know them <laughs> before, like, 24 hours ago? Uh, who's to say? You know, you're an enigma. <laughs> I'm a spinigma. Right. The spinigma strikes again. <laughs> I've only listened to the Young the Giant's first two albums, to be perfectly candid at the top of this episode. I know they've put out a ton more than that that we'll get into, but this was the first album I listened to. I enjoyed it. I went to their second album. It's great. I just haven't gotten around to listening to the rest of them yet. So maybe this episode will inspire me. Maybe. Maybe it'll inspire you. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Let me start telling you about Young the Giant and see if you feel inspired. Hit me with it. Okay. First of all, interesting note we've got back-to-back california bands in episodes 101 and 102 young the giant started out as a band called the jakes in 2004 they're from irvine california and like several other bands we've talked about they met as high schoolers and early college students you know they were just young adults when they got the band going but they got connected and recorded an ep with Ian Kirkpatrick, who I'm positive we've talked about before because he's been a writer and or producer for the Backstreet Boys, Britney Spears, Dua Lipa, The Queen. The Queen! Yeah, that's Dua Lipa parentheses The Queen, not Dua Lipa comma The Queen. He didn't record any EPs for The Queen. That joke didn't land. Wow. It did. Just didn't make a big splash. Because it landed in the, on the land instead of in the water. Well, you know when your form is good when you're diving, it doesn't make a big splash. Wait, it landed on the land? Yeah. Well, that means it probably hurt itself. It landed like an airplane. Oh, you know? okay. S- gentle down the runway. <laughs> I don't know if I'd call an airplane landing gentle, but sure. It's a weird episode. <laughs> I'm just saying. You're the one that called an airplane landing gentle, not me. It is. When was the last time you... No. Totally. Uh, listen, if we had to make a scale of like gentle to not gentle airplane landing would be like it wouldn't be all the way on the not gentle side but it'd be like on that half of the scale no way yes way especially that initial like touchdown yeah no when you dock a boat it actually hits the dock sometimes i mean if you're if you're bad at it even if you're good at it you got to get close enough to do all the ropes and stuff if you're good you won't hit the dock i haven't ever hit the dock how often do you drive boats often enough how often do you land planes? Less often. But I've been on planes that have landed. I sure hope so. <laughs> I've been on planes that never came down. Anyway, that's all going to end up on a blue reel somewhere sometime. Before too long, after they put out that first EP, the Jakes at the time were playing festivals like South by Southwest, and they had music featured in TV shows like MTV's The Real World Brooklyn. In 2009, they signed to Roadrunner Records, and that is what brought about their name change and solidified their lineup into what it is to this day, which is Samir Gadia on vocals, percussion, keyboard, and guitar. Lots of instruments. Jacob Tilly plays the guitar, the synth, and the Mellotron, which is a fun addition. Eric Kanata plays the guitar, sings, plays the keyboards. Payam Dusade plays the bass, the synthesizer, and sings. And Francois Comtois plays the drums, percussion, and briefly he played the bass guitar too. So that's Young the Giant, the band. Their name, if you're wondering, you know, they were the Jakes, first of all. I don't know where that name came from. 
But they changed to Young the Giant. What's that mean? It's a catchy name, right? It feels like very on brand. One, for the type of music they make, but two, for this 2009 era. I feel like there are quite a few blank the blank bands out there. That's a common formula. I feel like I read somewhere that it was a meaningless name. Ooh, not quite. Well, no, kind of. It doesn't really concretely mean anything in particular. You know, it, it doesn't have a specific story behind it or it doesn't tie to anything, but it kind of represents how they wanted to portray themselves to the world. Samir said, we're all still youthful, but when we aren't, we want to have that exuberance in our music. So it's kind of there. Like they want to be giant figures in the music industry, but still retain their youth and their energy and, and something like that. So it, it is meaningless in a sense, but also not. I don't know, it's right in the middle. From the very beginning of their career, one thing that's really unique about Young the Giant and that I really appreciate is that they only wanted to record songs that they could replicate live. You know, we talked about on the Beatles how they quit playing live and that opened them up to do a bunch of new production tricks and recording experimental things. This isn't that. This is the band saying, hey, we're only going to record, you know, X amount of tracks with X amount of instruments that we know we can get that many people to play on a stage. Hmm. Yeah. And so that gives this album and a lot of their songs a very distinct feel to them, especially on this record, which we'll get into in a little bit. But definitely you can tell there's some through threads for every song on this album, and they all do sound like tracks you can play live. For their self-titled album, the one we're talking about today, they worked with producer Joe Ciccarelli, who also previously worked on records for bands like The Shins, who we talked about in our 40s somewhere. And though the album's songs definitely deal in a lot of specifics, a lot of issues about mental health and growing up and like there are a lot of like concrete issues in the songs very specific things Gaudia says the collection is mostly tied together thematically by a feeling of isolation and almost surreal happiness with a lover it's supposed to be kind of a summer vacation-y, beachy, fun album. Very, you know, like sunshine and happiness. That's kind of what they were going for with it. And Orange County Sound is how they describe it. Did you get Orange County Sounds from this? I got more Auburn County. Auburn County. Yeah, that's a different one. Yeah. I feel like I have a be- I feel- I think I have a better joke for that. Oh, okay. You can try again. Hold on. Rewind. <laughs> I don't I don't know if it's better or not. <laughs> oh, well, we'll see if it lands like a boat or an airplane. Let's just throw it out there. <laughs> I feel like it's worse now now that I've thought about it. Oh, now you're self-conscious. Oh, just... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you thought about it too much. Should we fast forward past this part then? Well, I was just going to be... I got more... I was going to like name another another fruit, like another citrus instead of orange. Oh, instead of a color. Yeah. Well, you don't have any other options for citrus. I mean, you got like lemon, lime... Grapefruit. Yeah, name another one. Isn't a grapefruit a citrus? Yeah, that's what I'm saying, but that's all of them. Name another one. Oh, uh, what about, I don't know, what's a kumquat? Is that a citrus? I don't know. What's a kumquat anyways? I don't think I've ever had one. It looks like a lemon shaped like a mango. Oh, I got it. Here we go. Oh, okay, the joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got finger limes county vibes, actually. Finger limes. That's a very specific citrus. Yeah. It's one of the most unusual of the green citrus fruits in the citrus fruit category. Again, of the green citrus fruits, like all that's coming to mind are limes. (laughs) So it's got an unusual feature. It's got juicy vesicles. What? (laughs) Okay. Wait, what what is this saying? Another unusual feature of finger limes is that its juice vesicles are not tear-shaped like regular limes, but look like small pearls. Oh, that is funky. This is why they are also called caviar limes. That's a way better name. I gotta be honest, this one, if you're coming down like a plane, I could see why you'd think that's rough. (laughs) They're a popular gourmet food with red, pink, and blue-green varieties being popular. Have you seen these? No. They're funky. Okay, you got Finger Lime County sound vibes. Um... Yeah. All right. That was a good insertion of the joke. Thank you. What I was going to say, and I'm going to say now, is that now that I hear them describe the album that way, I get it a little bit. I can I can kind of sense it. But over the course of like five or six years of listening to this album, I really only got like a touch of that in one or two places. And it it's not super pervasive. It's not a strong flavor. It, it reminds me of like people make all those jokes about LaCroix, how it tastes like if you drank normal sparkling water and someone shouted a flavor from the other room. It's like that. Yeah. Like I'm listening to this album and from the other room, someone yells, this song's about the beach. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I can taste it a little bit. Oh, man. Yeah. I should have went with Buddha's hand. 
What? From my from my citrus. Yeah, Buddha's hand. Yeah, this is what it looks like. We're not rewinding again. Please? It's a way cooler one. Ew. No, it... <laughs> ah, I don't like that one. It's a unique looking. So the, I guess the moral of the story is that the umbrella of citrus fruits is a lot larger than I'd previously been led to believe. Well, it gets a lot weirder once you get out of the out of the staples. There's a reason <laughs> that the rest of them are not staples. No one's ever had Buddha's hand aid. Oh, I'm making that. Key Buddha's <laughs> hand pie. No, it just doesn't exist. <laughs> I love that. But you could absolutely do a key finger lime pie. Yeah, you could. But then people would just think it's normal key lime pie that's... That's where you just stick your finger in... Yeah, see? Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, that was a lot for that bullet point. <laughs> Sorry, I tried to derail this a couple times there. That's fine. The album was released as a digital download in October of 2010, but it officially came out in other formats in January of 2011, which is kind of strange. I think some of that might be due to leaks of a couple of the bigger songs on the record. Some of those got out ahead of time. I can't say with 100% certainty that's why they did it, but it is interesting. When it came out, the album charted at number 42 in the United States, and it's certified gold. Currently, it's the band's only RIAA certification so far, and it's also charted in Ireland, Scotland, the rest of the UK, Italy, the Netherlands, and more. It also did kind of get a bit of a mixed review from critics. Most of the critics ended up being pretty lukewarm on it, even though for a brief time it was, you know, performing pretty well on the charts and the fans were all about it. So we'll see what you thought in a little bit. Whether you're a lukewarm person like the critics, whether you liked it as much as fans in the U.S., or whether maybe a third option, you despised it. Those are all the options, I think. I think that is pretty much all of them, yeah. Yeah, but that's kind of the release cycle for their self-titled debut album. After that record, they started playing more festivals. They toured with bands like Neon Trees, New Politics, Incubus, and more. Their music started to get more film and TV placements. Their music videos gained a lot more traction, and their fan base continued to grow. Their second album, the other one I'm familiar with, Mind Over Matter, came out in 2014. And I did. This is another situation where I had a tough time picking between these two albums. And I, it's another situation, like on Kendrick Lamar, where I gave you characteristics of the album, and I made you pick which one we did. This is one where I gave you the rankings of each album and made you pick which one we did. Oh, I remember doing that. I, I told you there's one album that ranked in a higher place and one album that ranked in a lower place. and We picked one of them. We picked one of them. It remains to be seen. But their second album, Mind Over Matter, was the other album in contention. What if they ranked at the exact same place? What if they were tied with each other? That'd be wild. There are albums that have come close. I have very few, like, absolute ties. Almost everything gets resolved either just by the score or in a tiebreaker. But some of them are really, really tied in my mind. And that just leads to sometimes a split-second decision, which I don't love. But you gotta do what you gotta do. Anyway, 2014, Mind Over Matter, their second album. It came out after they switched over to Fueled by Ramen, a label that we've absolutely talked about before because it's home to Lights. 2014's Mind Over Matter was their most successful album to date, charting at number 7 in the U.S. overall and at number 2 on the U.S. rock charts. So far in 2023, the band's put out a total of five studio albums and five EPs to match. Their most recent project, 2022's American Bollywood, is a four-part release that spans three different EPs and one LP. It's very vast. And they're currently touring in support of that American Bollywood project. So keep an eye out for Young the Giant. Anyway, that's what I've got to say. So I guess it's time to get the mixtape run out here for another round of fact or spin. Bring them on over, Frank. Spin the fact. Another round of spin the fact, right? On Young the Giant. Mm. No, we fact the spin on this podcast. Well, I feel like they always start out as facts and then he spins the fact. But Fair enough. Let's get them on over here. Hey, it's me, the mixtape Hello, how are you doing today? Pretty good. Awesome. What's your favorite citrus fruit? I'm a pretty big fan of the Jamaican tangelo. Tangelo, like a like a tangerine aloe. Specifically, the Jamaican tangelo. Okay, I've never had any. Mainly because its nickname is the ugly fruit. Oh no, the ugly fruit. Yeah, it's a cross between a tangerine and a pomelo. By the way. 
I've never heard of that. You've never heard of a pomelo? No, not really. That's like actually like a, a common one. Like it's no lime, don't get me wrong, but it's not like... No, it's no lime. <laughs> it's no Buddha's hand either, you know? Like <laughs> It's in the middle. Oh, okay. Well, cool. I was just curious about your favorite citrus. It seems to be a topic of discussion today, and I just I realized I didn't know yours, so... Fair enough. Yeah. What kind of facts you got for us this week? All true ones this week. All true this week. Okay, good. That makes things easy on me. Yep, sure will. I just have to listen to you talk and say fact. Yep. Well, hit me with number one. Hit me with a number. Well, so I feel like me saying hit me with number one, I mean, you could kind of extrapolate from there. I just didn't, I just didn't want to assume. I don't like to pick a number game. <laughs> I just like a good classic final ramp. Maybe this is a season six gimmick, but... Fair enough. Okay, you want me to ramp it? Yeah. Do you have a good final ramp ready? I mean... No, this is one you're going to have to pick because they all, all of them have potential to be final ramps. It's, we're a bit all over the place. Okay. What hit me with a number? I still I still said one. Oh, okay. Sorry. They had an intervention for their parents. An intervention for their parents about what? Parenting? Or like the more standard vices? <laughs> Drugs and alcohol and like an intervention intervention? No, no. I mean, it was, it was it felt like an intervention, but it wasn't like a intervention intervention. Right. Like, I'm sure you're wondering why we've gathered you all here today. Sit down and... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, what did they do? what they intervene on? They wanted to drop out of college. Okay, so less of an intervention uh, like to prevent a behavior, but more like we need to have... It was to prevent a behavior, the behavior of getting mad at them for dropping out of college. (laughs) Okay, all right. But but basically, this is the, the talk where they sit them down and say, hey, heart to heart, no. So when did this talk happen? Were they already in college? I mean, some of them were at the time the band started. Yeah, they were in college and they wanted to drop out to pursue Young the Giant full time. Well, we know how that worked out now, but we don't know how that would have. I mean, I feel like we can all imagine how it would feel if our kids came up and said to us one day, I'm dropping out of college for the band. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's like a trope almost. Yeah. What'd they say? How'd they react to this? The parents? Yes. They came to a mutual agreement that the band could take six months off of school. So basically a semester. Oh, wow. And. Uh, see what see what happened that's not a lot of time for things to happen i think they had some faith in them because they really went the extra mile to sell it to sell the intervention yeah what'd they do they make a powerpoint basically (laughs) (laughs) that's a good strategy they dressed up looked all nice and then prepared pamphlets oh explaining what they were hoping to achieve and uh, they had a four-hour meeting where they gathered all their parents together. Four hours. Laid it all out for them. That's a long time. So really less of an intervention and more of like when they try to get you to buy a timeshare. You know, they invite you to a meeting and like give you give you the pamphlets and all the benefits. Wine and dine you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they kind of did that. They timeshared their parents. Well, that's a totally different fact. <laughs> I, that is even less accurate, I think. <laughs> did they have a backup plan? What were they going to do if their parents like did not love this at all and like got mad still? And I don't know. What was, what was their situation? Yeah. Okay. You either let them be mad at you or you keep be- doing school. I don't know. What kind of your options? Fair enough. I think I got it easy this week. You told me already at the beginning. All facts. All facts. So I listened to you say your piece. I think this is a fact. This is a true fact. It's a true fact. See, I know you wouldn't lie to me like that. I wouldn't. No. A successful intervention. Are their parents old the giant? (laughs) Middle-aged the giant, please. Well, I just older than young the giant, you know. Yeah. Less young the giant. Right. Keep it coming. Hit me with fact number two. Fact number two. Absolutely true fact number two. Uh, They once picked up a car and moved it. Picked it up like with their bare hands? Yeah. Where'd they get bears? (laughs) Okay, see, that was a good joke. That one landed. That one, cannonball. Cannonball. Sure. Why are they moving a car? When you said this fact to me, my brain went, maybe they just wanted to see if they could do it. You know, so they all went out there together and were like, (laughs) team building exercise, let's lift up the SUV or whatever. Or, or was it more like, oh, shoot, somebody parked in the tour bus and we have to get 800 miles away by three hours from now. Let's move this car. It was a bit of a practical joke. What's the joke? Who's it on? Where's the car? Where they move it to? Eric Kanata's brother. Mm, a very brotherly thing to do. Mm, brother was hanging out with him and they spent the night and... They thought it'd be funny to move his car. So they all went out in the middle of the night, lifted his car up. Where'd they put it? The other side of the street. Across the road. Yeah. What a chore. And why didn't they just, like, take his keys, you know? 
Not that I'm like advocating for that, but that does seem like a simpler. I mean, good question. <laughs> I wish I had an answer for you. Did they talk about like, was it easy to do? Because it sounds like a, a difficult thing, but many hands make light work, as they say. Don't know. Don't know. Okay. A lot of absent information here. Yeah. When asked what the wildest thing they'd ever done as a band, that was their answer. <laughs> That's a pretty wild thing. And I bet it's nothing like what the interviewer was expecting them to say. <laughs> I think this one's also a fact. You Another fact. told me it's an all fact week and I listened to everything you had to say and that's... That's a true fact. Yeah, wonderful. Let's move on. Oh. Uh, we can move on. We don't need uh, to talk about the answer. Yeah, but I'd like to know. Uh, this one is a spin. This is one of the spin. It's Wait, a spin. that wasn't all true? Fact week. All fact week. That one wasn't it's true? All fact week. Oh. Uh, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that, Luke. That's an all fact week. Except for the spin. I would never lie to you. Yeah, that, that one slipped in. I don't know how it got in there. Uh, <laughs> how that happened? It's It snuck in. I'm, I'm sorry about that. Sorry okay, about okay. That. Well, accidents happen. Accidents happen. All fact week with an asterisk for fact number two. Right. Okay. Well, how about number three? What's this true fact? Totally real. Totally happened. Congrats on that last fact. I like that one. Oh, thank you. Did you think that one up yourself or? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like it. Jacob thinks he has a world record setting ability. A lot of potential for this one. Jacob's got a world record breaking ability. No, he thinks he does. Okay. I was going to say, can he move a car with his bare hands? <laughs> I can move a car with my bare hands, too. And an engine. I mean, that's part of the car. I think that counts. Yeah. What is his supposed world record-breaking ability? Flicking his tongue in and out of his mouth. (laughs) (laughs) What, first, before we go any further, what is the world record for that? Is it known? I could not find it. I looked. (laughs) So he's just speculating that... Yeah, he just thinks nobody could do it faster than him. So maybe this is a world record-setting ability. Uh Uh-oh. Somebody call Guinness. What a talent. How did he discover this? Is this a thing he likes to do or just does? It's just a thing that he realized he can do fast and he's proud of it. But like flicking it against his teeth, he's not just sticking out his tongue. He's like flipping it off his top teeth or whatever. What do you mean? Well, you know, I can stick out my tongue and put it back in quickly. But is, is he like like letting it catch on the top teeth and then flicking out? Like you said, flicking. I guess I don't know. <laughs> See? I mean, it's just going in and out of his mouth. I don't know. I don't know if it's going against his teeth. I Okay. Well, I presume <laughs> it would be a record for sticking out your tongue otherwise. I guess. I don't know. But does he have a concrete number? Like, what's the frequency with which he can do this? Yeah. he's He uh, used the slow-mo video uh, on his phone to re- record himself. Oh, to measure it. Yeah. And what's the... 65 times in one minute. 65 in one minute? I thought you were going to say a way more outrageous sounding number than that. I mean, do you think you could do more than that? Well, if you think, I mean, 65 times a minute, that's like just barely, barely over one a second. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, he's going like full out, full back into the mouth. He's not doing like a half flick. You're trying it right now, aren't you? I'm thinking about it. (laughs) Just trying to envision this. Because that doesn't seem like a very fast thing to do Uh. you listening to the podcast right now wherever you are try it flick your tongue out and see if you think you could do that faster than 65 times a minute because i do and if you can do it send us a video of you doing it please yeah please show us you prove jacob (laughs) wrong we'll shatter his confidence i was gonna say shatter his record but nobody actually has it (laughs) does he have anything like plans to do anything with this information is he gonna set a record is he gonna just is it a party trick that he just chose to be cool at parties i think it's just something i think he brags about (laughs) i think he brags about it Mm, this one also feels like a spin to me on an all fact week it's a bold prediction but i think the number was just too low to to qualify as a world record breaking speed really it feels like it like maybe fast maybe he could do it fast i think you overestimate it or underestimate it i don't know one of the estimates you're estimating it in the wrong direction whichever one it is i just think it's fast not world record breaking i mean i I agree with you but he thinks it's world record breaking yeah (laughs) but you're locking in spin yep yep i'm sticking with that this is a spin. How that get in there? Wait, that was supposed to be a fact. That was supposed to be a fact. Wow. How'd that get in there? That was. That snuck in there. You got to tell me the story behind this one. What's this? <laughs> Wait till the end. Wait till the end. Oh. Let's just get through it all first. <laughs> okay. Well, that I'm gonna put a pin in that. What's that final ramp? They have a special ritual. Not our first special ritual. <laughs> Whatever it is. Yeah. Do they all flick their tongues? <laughs> be pretty funny it would but no they dance they dance what kind of dance like the cha-cha slide the can-can the ballroom dance they call it clubbing yeah 
<laughs> what kind of dance is clubbing? They stand in a circle, all facing each other. Uh, yeah, as all your rituals apparently start. Seems to be a common thread through most of your ritual facts. And then they hold hands. Okay. Uh, they start rotating kind of around in a circle, kind of back and forth, and thrusting their rear ends out, you know, in a, what looks kind of like a twerk, but isn't. It's like slower and more up and down than a twerk. All right. And that's clubbing. They call it clubbing. Why do they do that? To get pumped. To get pumped. That pumps them up before like a show? Yeah. The ritual. How'd this get started? Does it have a, a tradition, a history? Only they know. <laughs> okay. This is a weird one. I, I'm kind of in that position where I don't know what to ask. I don't know what I'm afraid to ask. Would you like to know how long it lasts? Yeah, sure. How long do they club? Upwards to five minutes. Five minutes is a long time. Every, all the time, before every show, they just... Upward. That's like, that's like the most they've ever gone. Sure. But yeah, before, before all their performances. Interesting. Yeah. Ugh, this one I also don't like. Mm. It's so easy for this to be a spin. Mm. I believe it, though. And I think I'm going to say it's a fact. It's an all facts week. It's, it's an all fact. facts week. It's got to be a fact. And, and it just seems a little strange. It just seems like that right sweet spot of something you would never make up quite like this, you know? I see. Yeah. Well, uh, guess what? I made it up. This is a spin. Oh, no. <laughs> what? Yeah. Okay. That first of all puts us at 50 50 again. It sure does. What on earth? Uh, Got to tell me the story with these last two. But it, well, it was an all facts week. And so all these are true facts, just not true facts about Young the Giant. No, come on. The first one was true about Young the Giant. Yeah, it was. That's the right. The second one was true about Andre the Giant. <laughs> Other the Giants. Wait. <laughs> the third one, the record-setting ability, is true about giant anteaters that can do up to 150 flicks in one minute. Wow, see, that's more than twice the number of tongue flicks. Yeah, but I didn't think you'd believe that for humans, so I backed it down. And apparently I backed it down too low. You backed it down too low. <laughs> I, I would have believed 150. Really? Maybe. That seems more world record setting. Yeah, that's fair. 60 was just too slow. Well, 65. 65 was still too slow. Yeah, and then the last one's true about giant scorpions. They do a mating dance called clubbing. It's where they, like, hold their pinchers together, spin in a circle, and thrust their... Thrust their stingers around? But you just yeah. made it around. <laughs> humans giant yeah that's funny andre the giant would just go single-handedly pick up pick his up cars. cars and move them sure yeah that doesn't even surprise me a bit the man was <laughs> unreal giant scorpions and giant anteaters i really did not see this coming <laughs> i can't believe it that's so so funny how they translated to humans so well. well i don't know about so well i mean the last one was a bit wild i mean the la both the last two were a bit wild <laughs> well the last one's the one i believed yeah, that's fair apparently you would have believed the other one at 150 i should have left it there i just i was like there's no way he'll believe 150 because i said that i literally did try it i was like how many could i do and like full in full out I got nowhere near 150. You got to be really careful not to do a half in. It's really easy to do a half in and then that ruins it. And so like I was getting about one a second. So I went a little over 60 for the world record. It's so weird. Wow. What a weird world record. Yeah. Oh, this is cool though. I looked up world record tongue flick and I didn't get any records like that. But <laughs> there was a guy who spun a DVD on his tongue for 17 minutes. That's wild. Oh, and see here. Look here, here, here. I found... A comparable record. John Russell yeah. completed 56 tongue flicks so six in 10 seconds. In what? No. Yes. In 10 seconds. That's not full in, full out. There's no way that's full in, full out. I'm not here to debate the rules of tongue flicks. I'm just saying. I was in my head picturing a giant anteater, right? Where the tongue comes fully out to get the ants and goes back in. I could probably do a lot if I did just a quick little bloop, 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 bloop. You know, because I can go pretty fast if I just got to get it out a little and then bring it back in. Yeah. So like, I, I believe the number, but there's no way it's what I described. I don't know. This That's pretty full out. Whoa. That's what I'm saying. You know what? Give it to that guy. See? That guy has dethroned Jacob. That's it. Congratulations. I just, <laughs> I in my head, I just, I had more of a picture of something like this. And so 65 was wow. not going to cut it. Wow. I should have left it at 150. That'll teach me. Because sometimes I go with numbers and you're like, oh, there's no way that that's a real number. I was afraid. You were. That was a tongue flicking good Round of factor spin. Very giant in scope. I love it. All right. Well, I guess it's time for me to kneel on out of here. So it is. Thanks for another week of fact spin. Spin the fact. I can't say it right now. Factor spin. Spin the fact the spin the fact. Let's go, Frank. Yeah. Welcome back, Connor. You ready to talk about the album art? No. Oh. 
but I am now. Okay, good. The album cover features, looks like it's made out of paper, you know, uh, a mountain range with some circles behind it, maybe like a sun and a moon kind of thing going on. Yeah, 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 yeah. But a lot of the paper kind of looks like it's like stamps, you know, or currency postage stamps and poems and letters and... Does it? <laughs> yeah, especially down at the bottom. Up top, you know, it just looks like patterns and things, but... That little stripe at the bottom. Okay, yeah. Uh, well, up top, I got like a mountain range, or like an origami mountain range. Right. That's what I'm saying. But and then I guess the bottom is stampy. Okay. Yeah. It's like part, or like just the origami paper, like not folded up. I don't know. I got kind of origami vibes from this. Yeah, I definitely think that's kind of what it's meant to evoke sometimes. But also, I got to say, I mean, couple this image with the thought that they're trying to make a Beach Vibes album, and that really doesn't compute much for me. I don't think... What, you don't think about origami when you... You're going to the beach? Well, no. No, I don't think about origami mountains and the beach generally in the same situations. It's cool, though. And honestly, I kind of think it does pair well with the music. It's just I don't know if they describe the music in the most accurate way that it comes across. I don't know. We'll get into it. We'll talk about it. But that's the album art. I don't know. On a scale of three to eight, what would you give it? Ooh, three to eight? What's my unit? Uh, three to eight origami mountains. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten. No, but that's origami mountains out of eight. Wow, you like it so much, it's off the scale. <laughs> On a scale of three to eight, I like it a ten. Okay, I can't tell if that's your genuine level of like, or if you just counted the origami mountains. Absolutely not. I just kind of counted the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a uh, copacetic about about this one. Okay, interesting. Is that your word of the week? Yeah, that's a word I I always hear and never have an excuse to use. So I'm trying to use it more. I'm trying to make a conscious effort to use the word copacetic more. And now you've done it. What's it mean? <laughs> yeah, it means means everything is good. It's all good. Copacetic. Okay, cool. Yeah, these mountains, they're all good. They're copacetic. They're copacetic. That's right. Let's talk about these dozen tracks on the main album. Up first is Apartment. I live in one of those. I live in one of those too. Whoa! Not the song, though. I don't live in the song. I live in the song. And actually, the very first line in the song is about leaving the apartment. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great start. It is a really strong start to this album. I think, I don't know, not to spoil it all too much up front, I do think this album is a tad front-loaded, or at least I enjoy the first handful of tracks a lot, apartment included. As a single, this one peaked at number 26 on the Billboard Alternative Songs chart, so it's a pretty popular pick. Yeah. I just like the way it sounds. You know, it starts off with that guitar, and, and it's like so inviting. And it has a good vocal rhythm, that but uh that he does after the pause it's like pause but uh yes it's true it's good it's good rhythm yeah i like his vocal it's always very clear and and they do a lot of interesting melody things here i mean you can hear even in this song too he uses his voice like an instrument at the end of that verses with the ho-os and the all rights and yeah they just get into a lot of really interesting all right melodic vocal runs yeah and I like the way that they jump around with their melodies a lot. Like, you can hear it on the chorus. It starts high and gets really low. I hit the sidewalk is kind of at the peak, and then he walks it all the way down. This is how it starts to, like, the lower end of his range. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Apartment is one of the first songs the band created, and they made it, shocker, while they were living together in a beach house. So I think they tried to make a beachy album. I think they were feeling beachy when they made it. I don't know how well it translates, but in the beach house, they said it represents a lot of hope and a lot of optimism. They said, we made the sacrifice to take time off. I guess they had that intervention with their parents and everything, but they said we were ready to see it all the way through to wherever it took us. This song was about leaving our apartment for the beach. It was a very strong connection with us to memories of where we were living. So in that sense, this kind of becomes a song about identity. Beach. And the beach. But like, where are we going? What are we up to? You know, what's our future hold? They end the song with, after leaving your apartment, I hear the coast. Yeah. And what's on the coast? The beach. Is the beach on the coast? It, it just kind of is the coast in most cases. Uh, I don't know. It's the, the coast is like where the beach meets the water, I feel like. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I wouldn't call like a beach around a lake the coast right no like i feel like I feel like they're different no no you're right there are coastless beaches and beachless coasts true they are in, i guess in no way correlated except for the frequency with which they overlap <laughs> yeah i also want to point out early on some of these lyrics right you know like this i write for fear of silence we're gonna see a lot of poetic maybe dense lyricism here a lot of um inner wave type stuff yeah. right where they hit you with words and phrases that tug at your mind strings but they don't leave you with much concrete 
I think it ends up working out for the most part on an emotional level. It's like Interwave, but a little more intelligible, I think, in most cases. I, I do like it, but you got to brace yourself for it as we go through the album. Cool. I'm braced. You're braced. For impact on this bumpy landing. Not smooth at all. No, I guess not. My body <laughs> is braced for impact. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how much of this landing, rough landing and stuff is still going to make the episode. The uh, bracing thing. Man, nothing I'm saying is making the episode at this point. Every time I speak, you go, that's not in the episode. No, most of it is, though. I I think you... This is just a you episode. You'll be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> My body is the next track. What'd you think of this one? It's very different than Apartment. You know, the Apartment's kind of the track that rolls out the red carpet for you. My body's the one where we're really getting into it. I like this one, too. It was copacetic. <laughs> okay. All right. Copacetic. This was Young the Giant's first track to crack the Billboard Hot 100 as a single. Made it up to number 65. Weirdly, not until September, more than half a year after it came out. But by mid-2017, it was certified platinum, so it had pretty sustained success. It's a fun song to me. It's more high energy than Apartment, and I think it's a lot more indicative, not only of what Young the Giant is capable of, but I think it's really a good example of what they strive for in their music. This feels like their DNA distilled into one song. They've got the little sing-songy verses with the anthemic chorus. It's a nice contrast that I don't think ever really feels boring on this song. And another part of that DNA, again, is lyrics kind of thrown at the wall to see what works and what sticks. And this one, you know, it's a song about persistence and resilience, about not quitting because you want more. And there's some interesting lyrics in here. Oh, this one wasn't as copacetic as Apartment, mm. but it was still pretty copacetic. <laughs> okay. Still pretty okay. I just think they've got good uh, vocal rhythms. It's true. Especially, this song just feels like a like a yelling song. You know, they're just jumping up and down and yelling, and it's cathartic. And that's how they felt when they wrote it, too. They said, why don't we just jam something out, the most ridiculous thing you can imagine. It doesn't even have to make sense. Just yell it out, because... It means re you're releasing your tension. So that's what my body's all about. It's, it's persistence. It's catharsis. It's loud and fun and a little wild. I like it. It's one of the most popular songs on the album, and I think it is deserved. What did you think after my body when we got to I Got? As a guy who historically has preferred the rock songs over the Beach Boys type songs, I'm not so sure I got was necessarily your cup of tea, but I'm curious to figure that out for sure. I'm a ballad guy. Yeah, a ballad guy, but I've got, it's like, that's like, that's the Beach Boysy style that you've historically rallied against. If the Beach Boys had done it this style, done it this way, it would have scored a little higher. Oh, okay. That's right. I forgot. You you like the Beach Boysy Beach Boys, but not the actual Beach Boys album that we talked about. Yeah. It's all backwards. Okay. Well, I got is is all right. I like it. As for pop music, it's got a really kind of unique time signature in its 3-4 style, which is kind of unusual, and I think it suits the song really well, especially with that gritty kind of guitar it's got. It's just a little touch rough but not too overbearing, and it's still got that same ringing quality that the rest of the album has had. You know, like, I feel like the first three songs so far have all felt like they fit together. Yeah, I agree. I Got is, lyrically, it's a lament about getting buried by life, but soon enough, through song, through carving out your own way, eventually, you're able to rise again. It's a very ambitious album with the messages it tries to send forward. We'll talk more about it later. But they definitely have some things to say and some points to make that they take pretty big swings at here. I think I just like I like the chorus on this one a lot. That's the most Beach Boysy part. <laughs> but I do like it too. That kind of call and response style. It's nice. Yeah, I just like how it slows down. There's that weird like tempo change. I quite like it. Yeah. What'd you think about the next song? Track four, Cough Syrup. Probably, I, I think, their most popular song from this album by a good deal. It's got more than double the plays of its next closest competitor. And it's another not full ballad, but it's on the slower side, I think. Or at least I've always considered it so. I know. I'd agree with you. It's a ballad. It's got that ballad vibe, but it's a little quicker tempo. Quicker tempo and the chorus gets a little heavier, especially the later song choruses. It, it kind of comes at you with a bit more of a wall of sound. Cough Syrup is another oldie. It predates even their rebrand, Away From The Jakes. And it's inspired by their situation at that time, when they were out there living kind of broke, kind of stressed, pretty insecure. Really the opposite of the energy and excitement that they explored on Apartment. Really devoid of the optimism that's on my body. It's kind of a thematic pivot for the album in a lot of ways. 
And that's what makes this one unique. Yeah. I like the lyrics in the in, in this one, too. About finding a way to see the straight and running away to some fortune that I should have found by now, which leads to you running to the things that they say could restore me, restore life the way it should be, and waiting for this cough syrup to come down. Yeah, I just, and I like the line, I'm waiting for this cough syrup to come down. That's one of the strongest metaphors on this entire album. Yeah. Even though it doesn't have any, I mean, like their name, no concrete meaning, but clearly it's meant to evoke that that emotion of like taking away the problems, you know, get rid of what's ailing me, cure the symptoms and let's move on from there. <laughs> but start here, you know, it's a really wistful song, this longing and regret and resignation. It's tough. And some of those lyrics, I think, like you said, they do a great job of reflecting that about running away to a fortune that I should have found by now, but haven't or having to run because a dark world aches for a splash of the sun. That's great. That's some really great lyricism. Yeah. Yeah. It's another one of the band's songs, too, that charted on the Hot 100 at number 95 and did end up certified platinum as well. Very nice. Very nice indeed. Moving right along, we got track five, God Made Man. We're kind of uh, all in the same boat. That's the message of this song. Everybody comes from the same place. We're all living on the same earth. We've all got the same troubles. Living on the edge. That's that's Aerosmith. <laughs> Different, but similar. Oh, oh. And what is the edge? But the, the coast, coast. Where the beaches sometimes are. But not always. Not always. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, Aerosmith had nothing to do with this track. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> this one, not not as copacetic. Not as copacetic. Interesting. I don't even know if I'd give it a copacetic. Okay. I will. Yeah, it, it can have a it, it can have a marginal copacetic. Almost borderline copacetic. <laughs> copacetic or copacetic. That's a good scale. God Made Man starts with this. It's it's kind of this weird blend between. I mean, of the songs we've talked about so far, the emotions of cough syrup, where we're just trying to get by, mixed with like the music of I Got, but in 4-4 time, right? Mm, it loses yeah. the fun rhythm of I Got, trades it out for a, oh, I almost want to call it boring tempo. All that rhythm play that they do is pretty absent from this one. It's okay. I Poetically, it's sad, but, you know, the mostly optimistic, if a little undercut solution that they present is, you know, some stuff is just unknowable. So I guess in a certain sense, it's kind of comforting to have that pressure of needing to know answers relieved. But also, that does nothing for, for finding the answers that are stressing us out. Yeah. It's a song about existing. I feel like kind of just exists in this liminal space between tracks on this album. I agree. At least, that is, I mean, until things lock into the outro. But by the outro, we're already quite literally on the way out. I think it's too late. We see the light. Yeah. And that leads us into track number six. That's right. 12, 12 uh, finger tw- lines. 12 finger lines. You? No, it's mine. It's mine. It's my joke. <laughs> I can't believe No, 12 finger limes. I'll let you have it. 12, not 12 finger limes, just 12 fingers. Oh. But I will say 12, 12 finger limes might make a little more sense because, I mean, 12, that's too many fingers. Where do you want a lime? On the beach. Lime in the coconut. 12 Fingers is kind of a return to musical form for this album. It is. It brings back a lot of those vocal tricks, like on Apartment. You know, the yo's, a lot more <laughs> vocal runs and melody, and the guitar sounds a lot cleaner and nicer, and there's a lot more shape, a lot more structure to this song than God Made Man, I think. He talks about all these things that we remember from the olden days. It's a song about memory, right? Weird little things, like the sound of a creaky doorknob. You know, kind of like people say you, you can tell who's coming up and down a staircase by, like, the sound their feet makes, or, like, you know which steps squeaks on your way up the stairs from when you were trying to sneak around when you were younger. I don't know. He talks about remembering all those little quirks, right? And he talks about walking back all these sounds, following your heartbeats all the way back into memory. And it's interesting. (laughs) This is another one for me that I compare. I guess I compare all these songs in a big web of styles. This song kind of walks the line of the place where apartment and my body intersect. It's the lyrics of my body with the musical style of apartment. Whereas, I guess God Made Man, I said, was the other way around, right? Lyrics of cough syrup, I guess. But the music of my apartment. I don't know. It's all a mess. I like 12 Fingers. It's a little cryptic and same-ish throughout. But to me, it's one of the album's most memorable songs. And according to the numbers, one of their most popular still. So 
I think it's got some status. I don't know. Did you have any thoughts on 12 Fingers? Uh, I don't even know why it's called 12 Fingers. Yeah, I don't know. I was kind of wondering the same thing. The only thing I came up with was it ties a lot of imagery about like break free from the chains. I'll follow you down or like on the way down. I can follow you, you know? Yeah. So the only thing I could come up with, it's not very beachy. See? No, because. But but it's kind of helly, right? Because you got these flames <laughs> boil and reclaim. Yeah. So it's like the 12 circles of hell, one finger for each circle. Like, I don't know. That was like the best I could do. Okay. Well, it's not very good because Dante, Dante's Inferno is only nine. Nine circles of hell. Oh. So there's still too many too many fingers. Oh. Is there not twelve? What's there twelve of? There's twelve of something in hell, isn't there? Probably. What was I thinking of that as twelve? I don't know. There's a season twelve of Hell's Kitchen. Maybe that's what it's about. Maybe it's about season <laughs> twelve of Hell's Kitchen. Could be. <laughs> Or maybe it is still about the circles of hell, and that way you have three fingers left over once you get out. Oh, okay. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I think we're going to have to just chalk up that we don't know what that title is and, and roll with it. Even more popular than 12 Fingers, though, is the next track, Strings. I definitely like Strings a little more than 12 Fingers. They're kind of on the same footing for me, but Strings definitely has a little bit more of an edge. It's also one of the songs that got leaked before the album came out. Is it? Yes, it is. Shame. It is a shame, right? I know. Feels bad. I never want to see another person have to deal with leaky strings. I don't know what this is about to be. Yeah, no, that'd be that'd be bad. It's just not something you ever wish on even your worst enemy. Leaky strings? Yeah. I guess not. Is Young the Giant your worst enemy? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Good. Some days it's you. Oh, I believe it. Strings is one of the honestly surprisingly rare occasions on this album that when they talk about summery sun-soaked songs in a beach house i can actually hear it strings i get it right the rest of the album not so much but strings yes i've gotten it intermittently yeah a little bit basically what they said is they said the beach has always provided the idea of regeneration the tide constantly ebbs and flows almost the idea of an eternity in the song talking about strings he says a lover attempts to run away from the sunset in hopes of living the day one more time with his woman in this surreal dreamy paradise the two are each other's only reminder of a fading reality that's a beachy song true in another song, again, I love the instrumentals, the beach sounds. What did you think about the vocal tricks on this one, especially in that chorus? I, 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 and lie, I, 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 I. Is that, is that working for you? That repeated emphasis on a single syllable? Uh, it was kind of, it was actually a little hit or miss for me. Really? Certain eyes, you know, did it for me, certain ones didn't. Right. Depended on which which one in the, in the run. Fair enough. For me, you know, I kind of like the ebb and flow of it, the back and forth. It feels pretty... Wholly unique. Honestly, I don't think that's a thing I hear a lot of other artists do anywhere, ever, that single syllable repeat in such a such a wavy kind of way. So I like it. It makes strings stand out in my mind. It's memorable. There. And we get past this first half of the album. And, and still, I just want to point out still, seven tracks in, all these songs go together, I mean, quite thoroughly. <laughs> you know what I mean? They all have that same special something about them. That same intangible quality is very prevalent throughout all these songs, just for re-emphasis. But we get into the later part of this album. We're talking about track eight, Your Side. Strings was beautiful. A love song. A sweet love song. Your Side, it's a heart-wrenching song, a bit of a breakup track. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's kind of odd. I think it's the album's only breakup track, to be honest, and it feels strange. Thematically, it's a little out of place with the rest of the album. An album that tackles so many big, overarching themes. You know, a breakup song kind of kind of trips you up a smidge. It's all about this relationship coming to an end after a long time. And it kind of seems like this person's trying to say, hey, you know, he's still on board to work things out and quote-unquote be fine if we can somehow rewind time and resolve our differences. It, it's an interesting sentiment. It's a weird one. And it's an upbeat song for such a tenuous subject matter honestly it's probably the fastest song we've seen since my body yeah i think you're right it's all right your side is a song that i have always liked but never like it's never blown me away i guess yeah same the back half of the album didn't blow me away as much it was less copacetic <laughs> okay i have theories about that i have i have a a projected reason i think for why that happened to me we'll see what you think whether you agree when we get to the final spin territory we'll have to see i don't have much to say about your side it's a little rocky i like it enough up next is garen's 
another song that dates back to their days as the Jakes. And I do actually, for once, know about the origins of this name a little bit. A Garand, well, Garand was a person, right? But Garand was a person that made weapons. And Garand made this rifle, right? John Garand designed a World War II rifle. Commonly, you'll hear people mispronounce the gun as a Garand, but his name is John Garand. I see. Yeah, so it's it's about military rifles, and the song's kind of intended to sound a bit like a military march, which is especially evident in those drums, as any good military march is. It's a big... It's a tough themes song. It's about some soldiers' experience in the war. So there's a lot of really direct imagery, kind of a deviation from the tangent words we've seen and the tangent lyrics we've seen in past songs. You know, they talk about scouting the forest for signs of life, broken bones and muddy shoes. What have I become? It's very much more descriptive, like shockingly so. And I think they leverage those darker lyrics with a lot of minor chords that make the song interesting. They do their best to make it stand out from the batch here, but I don't know if it's different enough. Yeah. I can't believe, to be honest, that it's as popular as it is. I mean, with more plays than your side, at least. And only a couple million behind God Made Man. It feels like it should be a little lower than that. Yeah, I I agree. And Guns Out, that we'll get to in a bit. I just I don't quite get it for this song. Verse 2 goes into the unfortunate reality of the draft, how a bunch of young men get sent off to join the military. It's just a big... It's a song that tries to bite off a lot, and how well it chews as much as it bites off is probably up for debate, I think. Not just here. I guess a lot of songs kind of are guilty of the same thing. But let's keep them coming. Let's hit Streetwalker next. So I said the back half really didn't do it for me, but I did enjoy Streetwalker. Okay. You know, there can be exceptions that prove the rule. Streetwalker, I've always thought it was very weird that they decided to abbreviate the title. It doesn't make sense to me. It kind of of looks like it should maybe be Saint Walker, you know? Depends on your perspective, I guess. I've just never loved that abbreviation. Maybe it's because Streetwalker as a term has some adult connotations, to put it in a pretty vanilla sense. But in this case of the song, it seems to be kind of like the character from Apartment who's hitting the sidewalk and quite literally taking a stroll down the street, I think. I like the first half of the song better than the second half, though, I will say. Really? Does it change that much between halves? Yeah, absolutely. It starts off with like the the, the the long strums, the blum, and like the the slower. Uh, yeah, well, it almost sounds like a western kind of. Yeah, yeah. It's a very eerie, hollow sound. I think it matches the song pretty darn well. Yeah, well, it keeps that up until uh, about the about the two forty five mark. It goes into this instrumental that just I didn't I didn't care for it, and it went on for too long. Okay. Well, I'll agree. It does fill out the sound a lot more. It loses a lot of that hollow quality. Yeah. And becomes a lot more immediate. I don't hate it. And I think it does a... uh, I mean, yes, it's not as good as the verses, but I really think it takes the chorus at the end of the song to a better place. I think it's a a solid expansion on that. All right. Fair. This is a... I, I gotta use the word eerie again. It's just an eerie song. The streetwalker is aloof and distracted and walking down a street of thought without moving at all. Just delving deep into their thoughts at night with shadows on the walls. It feels like we could put it in Mixtober. <laughs> it's a Halloweeny kind of song in the middle of a beach record. It, it's like an identity crisis all through the album. But one song that is undeniably a little more beachy, at least in title, if no other way, is Islands. Islands is a band favorite, one of their favorite songs from this record. In fact, it's one of the ones that they say they can listen to the most from this record without going crazy. Really? Yeah. And according to them, it almost was a totally different song. You like, like you're the ballad guy, right? You, did you like Islands, the yeah. slow, relaxed, like adrift kind of style of it? Uh, yeah, I guess I was just, I was a little done by this point off of one listen. Very fair. So four minutes of that was like okay (laughs) it's a hard way to usher you out of the album the islands any attention you had to give to this album at this point islands zaps right away like it's gone yeah it's hard to stay locked into islands listening to the album consecutively but it was almost a very different song they said islands was initially a really fast chaotic song and they said after running it through a couple times we decided to try a completely different take on it and slow it down i slowed it way 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 down i bet 
that helps. I bet the fast version probably would have been a little worse, in my opinion. Because, you know, the, the whole song thematically, right? When you're adrift in the ocean, you're bobbing up and down aimlessly. It's dangerous. It's unknown. Everything's in flux and always changing. So the islands in this song as a metaphor and in a theoretical vast ocean are meant to bring this kind of stability and safety and relative security into your situation, right? You wash up on an island. Oh, suddenly it's a new day, a new ball game going on here. So the metaphor, right, this person in his life is his island, somebody that he knows is his source of stability. But the way that this song puts it, it makes me think he's kind of off the island and just remembering it, thinking back to when that stability was in his life and longing for its return, right? Lines like, all these years I miss your warmth. Have you missed my warmth on your island is really kind of what leads me there. I like islands a little bit. I gotta say, though, again, from a beach standpoint, islands work, right? Islands islands work. It's true. And I think for what the song thematically sets out to do, metaphorically, hits the nail on the head. I get, like, misty islands. Right, like... uh like Bahamas, like tropical jungle. Yeah, like, you're like, you're, it's like there's a bunch of fog. You can't really see between the islands too well. You're just kind of like sailing through. You got this eerie sound. Yeah, I think that's fair. And maybe was what they were going for. Well, so if islands took away the last little bit of your attention, like it did for me and still kind of does for me most times, I sure hope Guns Out brought a little bit of it back to finish the album kind of strong. Meh. Meh. Okay. I can't fault you for that. I like Guns Out. Personally, it's almost on the footing of some of those beginning tracks. It's got some cool guitar parts, which... I disagree. And so do the people. They must, if you agree with them. It does. It is on the lower end (laughs) of Spotify plays. People have spoken. So have I. Right. Well, Guns Out is a song of restlessness. The speaker's trying to stir up trouble, do something, anything to break up the boredom and the monotony of life. He says, get out your guns. It's time to start a fight. You know, they're talking about taking a drive in my car. Just tell me where we're going. Somewhere where the stars meet the sky. Maybe you can drive my car. Okay, all right, I get it. You know the Beatles. I've apologized. Beep, 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 beep. Yeah. yeah. Different song altogether. Also, this song kind of calls to mind some imagery about like a drive-in movie. He says, all these people with small dreams are looking up at the big screen. After he talks about driving my car to where the stars meet the sky, it kind of reminds me of, you know, drive-in movie theaters, like the TikTok movie theater from last week. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. It's like, oh, maybe he's at the TikTok. (laughs) Yeah, I've never been to a drive-in movie. Really? Never. Whoa, how did this not come up last week? I don't know. I guess I realized I just didn't bring it up. (laughs) Wow. We'll have to fix that. I've only ever walked into a movie theater. Walk-in movies. That's all I've done. They're more fun and novel as a, like, kid. It still seems like a great idea. I can just have my own car, my own space, chill out, watch a movie. Yeah. And you get, like, two movies. Most drive-in movie theaters are double features. You know, you Mm. you get two movies for it. Well, if I get two movies, I want two parking spaces. Deal. Great. I don't (laughs) think you have the authority to grant that, but awesome. That didn't stop me from doing it anyways. True. Let's get into Final Spin. Let's do it. Let's do it. I have a lot of thoughts about this album. I I wrote them down, jotted them down quick to sum it up. I don't. I'm thoughtless. Fair enough. As for me, you can tell me if you agree with any of what I'm about to say. I like the record. I think it's a pretty solid debut album, but like I mentioned a couple times, lyrically and thematically, it tends to bite off a little more than it can chew. It's really ambitious, right? Which I think makes its scope really grand, but I think it tends to be a little opaque and under-delivers lyrically. It tried to go coast to coast. It got lost somewhere. Got lost in the lakes. Yeah. In the lakes. It saw a body of water and went, oh, the beach. We've made it to the beach. And it was it was not. Not coast to coast. It was a grand, grand ambitions undercooked. And not to mention, there's this inescapable sameness between all these tracks. No matter what they do to change the tempo or the intensity or the time signature. See, but I feel like a lot of the times you think that's a good thing. I mean, they the fact that they were able to change... The tempo, the time signature, the you know all this stuff, but yet still make it feel the same. Like that, I feel like that's a 
positive note, not a not a negative one. I know. I thought I thought this through thoroughly, and I know that's usually a good thing. But in this time, in this in this instance, right, there's not enough tonal variation. And while that does help it be consistent, I think at times it gets boring or or tiring to listen to. Which I think is probably why I regard the first six or seven tracks of this album more highly than the rest, because by the time I get to the back half, I feel just a little burnt out and turned off to everything because it's just been again very tonally samey and i think a little bit of that is a consequence of them trying to make this music they're going to play live i disagree you disagree okay go on oh 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 uh, like i just want to know why you disagree no i was going to go on you just you told me to tell you if i agree or disagree okay and i didn't realize i was going to then have to elaborate i just wanted a little more of your opinion on no, why I, I i think i already gave it to you i think it's i disagree with your notion that the sameness was a negative and not a positive they can be too similar i want your album to be to sound cohesive and similar but yet i feel like a lot of times when i complain about something sounding too similar it's because they didn't do anything to mix it up it was literally like the exact same formula right well that's true like this one they were mixing things up but it still sounded like a cohesive sound throughout the entire album it definitely does have a, a style so to me i viewed that as a positive even if I didn't think the latter half was as strong as the first half, I did agree with that. Yeah, it just doesn't excite me much past those first five, six tracks. All the hype happens early, and they burn through it quick. And then we're left with, again, very heavy themes, very expansive lyrics with not a lot to back you up into them. I, I don't know. There's a disconnect somewhere in there. As for my concrete scores, music, I'm given a 76. Lyrics land well sometimes the inner wave effect right where they can plant images in your brain and and give you emotional sources for everything is pretty interesting i think a lot of times like it just it doesn't quite hit 73 on the lyrics instruments of production 76 this is again this is a thing young the giant this is a debut album they have lots of room to improve and i can attest to the fact that their second album is pretty much superior in every category score wise and execution wise so don't let this be your one foray into young the giant anyway uh vibe 75 which gives it an overall score of 75.9 puts it on the list at number 570 oof to answer your questions from earlier audience this was the lower scoring of the two (laughs) this was the lower scoring album we don't do a lot of lower scoring albums no uh, that's why i wanted to take this opportunity to get down there you know it's almost as low as plastic hearts (laughs) no it's lower than that wow that's a rarity hey not as much as you think (laughs) it falls just below olivia rodrigo who's at 563 and it's actually a good bit above in this moment and their album mother man you had olivia rodrigo that low i don't remember you having her that low well she's probably fallen a lot since then i've added to the list i mean every month fair enough uh but for comparison within young the giant right their second album to me represents a great improvement their higher scoring album mind over matter is at least three out of the four categories are in the 80s some of them high 80s it's got a score of 85.1 and it ranks number 265 so that's like that's like a 300 album jump from the first album to the second most impressive it is i really enjoy mind over matter it's got a lot of really good singles in the energy that a lot of parts of self-titled debut album are lacking. Like the energy that's not there is abundant in Mind Over Matter. I really like it. So maybe there'll be a revisit. Who knows? Next week. <laughs> <laughs> nope, nope. We gotta we got plans. But one of these days. One of these days. Hit me with your thoughts. Well, thoughts you've mostly hit me with. Hit me with whatever le- you've got left to hit me with. As for me, I feel like I hit you with a lot of my thoughts when you asked me to elaborate. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> First half, better than the second half. Good vibe overall, good cohesiveness. I quite enjoyed it. I think I enjoyed it much more than you did. Really? Well, it doesn't surprise me, but it kind of surprises me. My top three, of which I only get three still, I believe. That's right. You do, and I'm glad we remembered it at its proper place this time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in album order, apartment. Yep. I got... Oh, wow. And cough syrup. Skipping over my body. Yeah, yeah. Who knows what would have happened if I had a comparable mention? Who knows? My body knows what would have happened, but you, the fans don't, and you definitely don't. That's true. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't delve into anything from that back half. Nope. Even the ones that were closer to your speed or strings, you know? Yeah, no. 
Chris didn't do as well. It wasn't as good as the, as the front half. Okay. Front loaded. Front loaded indeed. What's that score from you? Is the front half strong enough to save this one from the whatever dangers the back half might have wrought on it? Yeah, this one's gonna get seven copacetics out of ten. Seven okays. All good. This is a very copacetic score. Copacetic score for a copacetic album. It's true. Seven, it, I will admit, feels a little high for me. I agree. I told you I liked it more than you. Yeah, yeah, apparently you did. That's the first score you've given that's not been an eight or a nine since Beyonce. It's been a minute. Yeah, well, you kept picking good stuff. Well, I try my best. And I think I'm going to put it right above the Carter 3. Above Lil Wayne. Interesting. Yeah. Still below the Red Hot Chili Peppers, though. That's a good place for it to be. And it is. It's that front half pulling some weight. I think it would have dropped down into a 6 without that front half, at least. At least, I was going to say. If if not worse. But luckily... You take away one of my top 3s and it could drop to a 6 just like that. Oh, it's tenuous. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what are you going to put on the playlist? It's either going to be apartment or cough syrup. Make your pick. I'm going to make you pick first. I'm going to go with apartment. Apartment. Okay. And I think I'm going to take a surprising pick. A pick that's surprising even myself. When I Is it strings? Well, it's not surprising to you, I guess. <laughs> but I wasn't. No, it is not. <laughs> but I wasn't planning on it. I just, something about when I queued up strings today and I was listening to it, I was like, hmm, this is good. This is how I remember the album. It's been a long time. It saddens me that cough syrup's not going to make it, but... It's sad, but you know what? These are the sacrifices we have to make. I think Apartment and Strings are both noble picks. I can get behind them. Yeah, yes. I just cough syrup's the most popular song from the album. It is. And it is. It's got a good, like, pop rocks vibe to it. Yeah... I've just never liked it as much, frankly, as a good handful of the others. Man, that's crazy. I know. I think there are some things Cough Syrup does better than any other song on this album, but there are some things that it does worse than most songs on this album. I won't say every. Yeah, I'm going to stick with Apartment, but Cough Syrup's definitely going on a playlist and will be played a lot by me. Ooh, very passive way to say that. But um, it's, it always makes me happy <laughs> when we can break into your non-podcast related playlists a little bit. That's fun. Yeah. I'm expanding your musical horizons one week at a time. All right. Uh, did we get everything we were supposed to do this week? Did we miss anything <laughs> this time? Double check. Run through all the boxes. We did your top threes. We did playlist picks. I gave a score. You gave a score. We talked about the album. Did we play Factor Spin? We talked about the album art. We played four rounds of Factor Spin. It was an all-facts wow. week, except for those pesky three spins that snuck in there somehow. I don't know how they got in. The mixtape has got to get some quality control. Yeah, I know. We talked about the album and its like origins. We talked about Young the Giant and their history. We even opened with some bad jokes. We learned a lot about citrus. <laughs> and we opened the episode up with the catchphrases, and you listened once yesterday. I think that's everything. All right. Well, there's one thing we haven't done yet. And that's tell everyone to go check us out online. Everywhere you listen to podcasts, you can also find us on Twitter at SpinItPod, on Instagram at SpinItPod Official, and on the web at www.spinitpod.com. Don't forget to check out that special Spin It 100 tab. Still happening for a couple more weeks yet. Hey, it's me's coming out soon. Go follow the mixtaper on Twitter at the underscore mixtaper. That's right. He's got his mini blog coming soon. Let's get some words of wisdom from the the spinigma that is the mixtaper. Good grief. That's right, you can. And you can check us out next week for another album, episode 103. It's going to be a doozy. It's I'm excited. If you like arena rock. Penultimate episode of year two. That's right. We're getting to the end of year two. Exciting. You won't want to miss it. Penultimate episode of the year of vengeance. Got a lot of vengeance to pack in the two final episodes. Yeah, you do. We'll see how that shakes out next week. And until the time comes, have a great weekend. Keep, Keep spinning. spinning. Have you ever heard of a yuzu? A, a yuzu? Yeah. Is this another citrus or like a personal kazoo? Uh, I think it's both now, but uh, five seconds ago it was just a citrus. <laughs> what kind of citrus is a yuzu? Looking at a picture of it, you'd think it would be a small yellow grapefruit. But unlike grapefruits, yuzu fruits have bumpy skin and are more of a yellow color than orange. The fleshy citrus segments of yuzu are rarely used as food, so what's the point of it? In Japanese and Korean cuisine, the juice and rind are mostly used to make beverages or desserts, as they are aromatic. Well, who knew? It's honestly just like a round version of the Buddha's hand. Buddha's fist. Yuzu, a personal kazoo or the Buddha's fist? That's karma. 
I'm hitting stop. <laughs>